You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? Hey, vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, the fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. What? Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, Station Who listeners, and welcome to another episode. We are back, and we have a great one for you, folks. I know we say that every time, but this is a second Doctor story that has been lost for years. That's right, folks. We are going back and looking at the restored version of Fury from the Deep. It is awesome. Victoria, Jamie, the second Doctor, base under siege by Seaweed. It just doesn't get much better than that, folks. It should be an exciting one to talk all about. And we have a great crew here to talk all about it tonight. Of course, let's say hey to Mary Ogle. Hey, everybody. It is great to be here. Hi, Mary. And, of course, Mr. Howdy Mike Gordon himself. Howdy. Welcome, welcome, guys. This is obviously our, our first time watching this one. So it's going to be very interesting how we made it through the six-parter. And, you know, typical base under siege. Everyone saved by a screaming ninny. And, you know, it was good. It was there great. was an awful lot of screaming. Yes, there was. <laughs> so it should be a lot of fun. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstationwho.com. Definitely would love to hear from you guys about this one. You know, you know, I... Jamie and the Doctor has always been my favorite combo for the for the companions, and it's just it shows even in this one how great Jamie is, and I think I blew Jamie's mind when I, you know, combined told her about how Jamie was you know the basis for Outlander, and her head just exploded <laughs> right there. Hmm. Because it's just, it was fun. And so, because she's never watched a lot of the old series of Doctor Who, but she watched this one with me. And she says, that Scottish guy's kind of cute. And so I had to tell her the story about uh, Fraser and Diana and that Diana grew up and had a huge crush on on Jamie when, when she was a Doctor Who fan as a kid. And so she made Jamie Fraser from... You know, Fraser Hines and J the character she played, Jimmy McCriven. That's pretty darn awesome. A lot now, of people don't know that. Is he really that. that cute or is he just drawn that way? Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, you know, I've shown her live pictures of Jamie from that era and she said he is cute. He's pretty cute. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's no, fine. she said he's no James Fraser, but that's okay. <laughs> 
But, you know, because, you know, I think she was sitting there glued when we were watching Men in Kilts the last couple of weeks on Stars, I think it was. So it was pretty cool. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out, folks. We're going to have a lot of fun to talk about this one. No real Doctor Who news to talk about this week. So shocked as we are, we are all looking at a shocked, amazed and in awe. So we are going to talk about the show in a moment. But Doctor Who actually has a new Kickstarter going on. It's not official. And Mike, you want to tell everyone about that? Uh, sure. It's Yeah, it's not official at all. Um, in 1987, uh, there was a uh, Doctor Who story that was released as part of the um, Seventh Doctor's era uh, called Paradise Towers, um, which I have not yet seen myself. Um, but um, I, So I can't speak to the the, the value of it uh, or the quality of that particular story. But the person that wrote that story, uh, Stephen Wyatt, uh, has actually um, been involved with a comic project to develop a sort of sequel, a follow-up, if you will, to that story. So uh, Paradise Towers, uh, it's also um, subtitled Paradise Found, um the kangs are back now um there are no there's no doctor who or or doctor in this uh there's no doctor who characters in this uh obviously for obvious reasons but i guess all of the a lot of the characters and the world that stephen wyatt had created is uh is they're able to use that so um uh, this is uh, a four-part comic that's coming out, and it's an independent comic. It's you, it's going to be tough for you to find in stores. Um, there is a Kickstarter, which is probably by the time you hear this, which has just ended for the first issue. I'm pretty sure that when the second issue and third issue are supposed to be released as well, they'll probably restart the, the Kickstarters to see if they can get some, some more support for those. Uh, but... Um, yeah, you can find it on Kickstarter if you just put in Paradise Towers or follow the link in our show notes um, and uh, you can check it out. One thing, like I said, um, what, what what I was interested in or caught my eye was that uh, regardless of how the story is, um, the art is gorgeous. Uh, you know, I pulled up the art uh, or that they have sample pages on the Kickstarter page and it's just, it just looks gorgeous. Uh, the These penciling, inking, um colorist the whole art team on this project looks great so uh so i'm definitely interested in it um and uh, of course at some point uh before i get the first issue or whatever i'll have to watch paradise towers uh just to see if i have uh you know so i can f- understand exactly what the world is that they're using here but um, i'll say it now mike i'm sorry i am so <laughs> so sorry yeah, well, it's, you know, it's not from my favorite era of Doctor Who, so I can't imagine it's going to, like, really blow me away. But um, I think, uh, I don't know, I find it interesting. It's just one of those cases where, once again, you know, those those guys writing for Doctor Who um, are able to take their elements that they have uh, uh, built for stories in Doctor Who and use them themselves. Um, we've saw that with Terry Nation, obviously famously, uh, but uh, we've seen that with other projects as well. It's sort of how they can, you see all these other little independent projects popping up every once in a while uh, by writers who have worked on Doctor Who, who still have the rights to a lot of their, uh, the like the worlds that they created and the elements of their stories. They're just not the Doctor Who characters themselves. There's always been that kind of 
feeling, though, that you always want to know what happens to these characters after the Doctor leaves. What happens to these planets? What happens to these individuals? And, you know, has the Doctor changed things for the good, for the better? Or sometimes if he leaves, is it something that happens for the worse? It would be real interesting to see what happens with some, a lot of these stories in it and everything. Yeah, that could be at play here as well. Um, again, I'm not familiar enough with the original story to know exactly, you know, what the what the story, what the, how this is going to go. But I'm very uh, attracted by it, and uh, like I said, by the art and the fact that it's Doctor Who related. So um, it it got my support. Um, so if the first issue d- is uh, released as scheduled which is in August of this year, then uh, we should have more to report as far as the actual quality of it. But um, Yeah, it's only like 15 bucks US for all four issues, which is not right. terrible. It's what it yeah, costs. Yeah, that's digitally. Yeah, yeah but, that's still, but that's digitally, that's but still, still, still it's not bad. Yeah. You know, issues of Batman now, dude, are going to be like seven ninety nine for some of the issues. And it's that's ridiculous. And, you know, it's comics are getting way way too expensive and i don't want to start going back in my day you know because i'm not going to do that i refuse to do that but it's it's just it makes me not want to support the industry just because it's but there's so many great artists and writers out there that you want to support them but not by paying those i'd rather know like with this kickstarter it's going right to the creators Exactly. Yeah, right. And that, yeah, I mean, I, I agree um, uh, with some of that, um, you know, it, it, making comics is expensive. Trust me, I know. And uh, um, I'm fully support anybody who's who's trying to do it out there. Um, and, you know, if it if it takes like using this sort of Doctor Who adjacent kind of story to, to get your project noticed, um, I, I say do it, you know, like if I, if I had access to Stephen Wyatt, you know, I, I'd, I'd sort of uh, pull that string as well. Um, also, um, story editor Andrew Cartmel, although he's not directly involved with making it, it looks like this project has his his support because he is featured uh, as well as uh, like with interviews and stuff like that as far as stretch goals and rewards for this uh, Kickstarter. So it does look like it's got his if not seal of approval, he's, he's indirectly involved. Oh, definitely. And Andrew is such a great guy. And he's, he had all these plans for Dr. Who and sadly none of them came to fruition because of the cancellation and everything. So it's, it's very interesting to, you know, see that he's partially involved in this, but you know, pretty cool. That is very, very cool. Awesome. So definitely check it out, and we'll have a link to it, of course, on our show notes. Support your mm-hmm. indie artists. Oh, damn straight. Including this a certain Mary Ogle, who <laughs> is, you know, sitting here, you know, with us, you know. All of us. So all of us. All of us are – technically, we're all independent artists in we our are. own We're way. all creators in our, in our exactly. way. Oh, exactly. So, you know, it's pretty awesome. Please, you know, if you have a couple extra shekels, you know – Please send it our way, send it Kickstarter, Patreon, all these different ways that you can help support your favorite artists. And that's a great way to do it. So it's pretty awesome. So definitely check that out. And you know what? I think this is a great time to take a quick break. And we will be back in a moment. And we will talk for about Fury from the Deep. Fire. 
us and eat us in fricassee. We wouldn't land folks lunch to cook. Under the sea, we have to hook up. We got no troubles. Life is the bubbles under the sea. Great things are coming on the Nerd Bliss Podcast. We're changing up our presentation while keeping the candidness that you enjoy. We'll cover all your favorite shows and movies with maybe a few surprises along the way. And you, yes, you, will have opportunities to be on our show on a regular basis. That's right. We've got the Zoom Pro account, and we're going to use it. So be ready. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com and esonetwork.com and on all the socials at NerdBlissPod. NerdBliss. Listen up. Welcome back. Now we are looking at Fury from the Deep, which ran from March 16th to the 20th of April in 1968. We all three were alive at that point, weren't we? Just nope. barely. Nope, Mikey wasn't yet. Nope, I was, I was, I was still cooking. Oh, he's he a gleam. He's a gleam in his <laughs> mama in his mama's eye. They no, no, just... I, I, was, I was down a little further than that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't need to think about that. No. <laughs> nope, not going there. So it was very interesting because this is one of the animated specials. And it was it was fun to see this one for the first time. And I thought they did a really good job. And I actually think, in all truth, seeing the animated version of this probably was light years better than what the actual live action probably was with the special effects in this Yeah, that's funny. I was thinking the same thing. As far as special effects-wise, you're probably right. Some of the other things, maybe not. um, But uh, uh, certainly as far as special effects goes, yes. Um, Starting with the very first shot. I mean, you know, with the TARDIS landing on water, which I'd never seen before. Yeah, that was pretty uh, cool, actually. It was kind of an interesting idea. Um, looking at re- watching the the uh, DVD, which uh, Mike supplied me. Thank you. Not um, a problem. Well, and I, you know, usually I don't like, you know, uh, want to uh, like call stuff like that out, but I do have to like slap the hand of, of Amazon for not, I mean, I ordered this like months ago. And it still hasn't gotten here. It's scheduled to be shipped like next week or something. So I don't understand why this is such a hard disc to get. I, I don't understand uh, any of this. I don't understand why they don't release it on Blu-ray in this country. That's um, weird. It's it just, you know, with these animated shows, I don't understand. It seems like manufacturing-wise, it would be cheaper. It would be one disc instead of three. You know, like... You're right. Um, and you would think it would be more popular. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I have to question what uh, BBC um, is doing with that, as well as I guess Big Finish is involved with this too, because in the credits they list uh, the two Big Finish guys. Uh, so this is sort of a joint production between uh, Big Finish and the BBC, which I, I find interesting. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but was um, that all original audio in it, or did uh, they? No. Well, this is I. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, 
I don't think they recorded any new audio for this, at least in none of the uh, bonus material they said they did. So I thought it sounded like original audio, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, it sounds like I think they took the original audio. I mean, they might have enhanced a few things, you know, Mm -hmm. like effects or whatever. Well, basically what I'm reading is BBC Studios released an animated version of the serial using the surviving audio. In September 2020, it was animated by Big Finish Creative which was previously known as planet 55 because oh, wow. I think big finish bought them out or yeah, I didn't gotcha. even know that. well, that would make okay. sense. Then. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. I didn't know that. So big finish does more than just audio. They, they, have, they own a That's animated cool. studio company now. Um, well, I think it'll tie a lot more fit quickly into maybe getting some of these restored stories. Cause we just got, was an announcement this last week that galaxy four is yes. now planned to be, animated also see right. doctor who news see you know we're, we're not <laughs> we're not hopeless completely there folks but yeah it's it's interesting that you know th- you got this one um and you this is actually victoria's last episode she, mm-hmm. that's you know yeah. she leaves i was ready for her to go by the end of it Me too. oh i had to hear uh, that whining and screaming again i i must admit i've never been uh a big um Victoria fan uh, with the ones, the stories that I've seen with her in it. And, and the fact that, uh, you know, the next companion to come is Zoe. I love Zoe. So yeah, Victoria can't, can't get out of the TARDIS fast enough as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Well, you're going to get, I think that's the next animated is wheeled in space. Right. Right. I'm super excited about that. So that's her uh, first one. Yeah. Cause I, I really, I really enjoy the stories with those three in particular. Um, I think that's the best combo of the Troughton era, um, mm, as far agreed. as all the companions goes. There's um, things I liked about Victoria. I really liked her when we did Tomb of the Cybermen. I, I liked, liked her in that too. She's not as screamy. No, she's not. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, what is it? They used to call her Leather Lungs or something like that because <laughs> used to because she was such a screamer. And I mean, it is kind of funny they turn her scream into a plot point. <laughs> Yeah. Well, exactly. it was funny because in this one, you know, you had, you know, the heartbeat or the, you know, the beat of the alien in the tube and, and the pipeline and everything. It just sounded like there was a rave down there or something. <laughs> and the whole time I heard it, I said, oh, Darren would be jumping in there. I got to go check it out. Little techno <laughs> dancing. Exactly. But uh, poor Deborah. Uh, screamed so much in this storyline that she uh, wore out her vocal cords and they had to get someone else to do some screaming later on. I can believe that. So, um, yeah, I was trying to watch this late at night too and that was really annoying because all of a sudden (laughs) they're screaming all over and I'm like, oh, I better turn it down, I better turn it down. Uh, Didn't want to wake up the whole house with all that screaming. And of course, screaming is the, uh, as you said, Mary, screaming is the, the, uh, the solution to the problem. Um, yes. which it brings up an interesting point with me because um, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we find out about that or, you know, pretty much it's right apparent away. that screaming is, is the pro is, is going to be like from episode two, right. When mm-hmm. she gets, when she's in that trapped in that uh, gas room with her, with them. Um, and uh, the doctor takes a while to figure it out like he doesn't figure it out until the last episode or whatever um towards the end 
And I don't think, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the doctor being the smartest one in the room. And it doesn't seem to me that in this, he's, he's an idiot. It almost just seems like this is structured in a way where the doctor, and in particular, Patrick Troughton, is, is sort of playing with the audience. He's not playing with the other characters in the, the, in the story. He's playing with the actual audience, us watching it, particularly kids, right? It's sort of like when your uncle comes over and you've got like, he's got four or five kids and he's like wearing a hat and he's like, I don't know where my hat is. And all the kids are like, it's on your head. It's on you. It's up there. And they're like, he's like up ahead. I don't see it up. Like he's playing with Mm -hmm. them, you know? And it really feels like that's what's happening. And it seems like the doctor in particular as a character and Patrick Troughton did this better than a lot of them um, does that a lot. He's like one of the few characters in, and I can think of in fiction that's allowed to sort of wink to the audience without directly like staring at the screen going, Hey kids. Um, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. And, and that's one of the things I like about the Patrick Troughton there is that he kind of does it in a way that it doesn't seem like he's talking down to us. And he doesn't overdo it. No. I no. mean, he, he is breaking the fourth wall, but he's not he's not being super obnoxious. He's not being very blatant, blatant at all on this. No, he's just kind of, like you said, playing around with you, having fun. Mm-hmm. And, and it's great because he's the thing that makes this story interesting, his, his version of the Doctor. Because this is, again, a six-episode storyline that could have been two episodes shorter. Oh, yeah, it's definitely... I, I really enjoyed the first couple of episodes, but it starts to drag halfway through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, because this is... I don't know how... I mean, this when it originally aired, it must have gotten a lot of traction, because I always heard this was one of the ones that, you know, fans were dying to get a copy of, because it was so beloved, you know? Well, and, it partly is, because it's the first appearance of the Sonic Screwdriver. Well, I don't think that's probably the reason but it was kind of cool to see that the sonic screwdriver was was introduced here i was like oh wow and it actually unscrews something (laughs) that's all it was supposed to do (laughs) um the fun story about that is on the on the dvd they talk about how uh, they created this prop the sonic screwdriver for patrick trout to use and when they were rehearsing it he dropped it into the hole and it got lost in the foam so they had to use some uh, other thing so that uh, so that they never actually ended up using the prop that they made so the sonic screwdriver that we see is just some like little metal thing that Patrick Troughton picked up uh, just because he lost the real prop that's funny that's, that's <laughs> so too funny if you go out to the, sh- the, the cliffs of Dover <laughs> you can actually still find the original sonic <laughs> screwdriver it's still sitting in a sewage pipe somewhere <laughs> Uh, oh, no, I, I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, the creature in this, I mean, we've seen this plot line now. I mean, maybe at the time it was really revolutionary, but it, we've seen this plot line over and over again where there's, you know, the, the indust- industrials are doing something to harm the environment and the environment is, is lashing back, right? Um, mm-hmm. Usually the doctor's a little bit more sympathetic towards the uh, whatever the in- environment uh, entity is environmental entity uh this one he seems pretty pretty eager to just get it rid of it 
Um, I think there's, uh, I think he's, he marvels at its sentience when they're on the TARDIS and he finds out um, when he discovers it, but, uh, or he confirms it anyway. But after that, he's pretty much just like, yeah, it's got to go. Yeah, he has no patience for it. (laughs) You're out of here. You're bothering my pet humans. Go, go away. (laughs) After all, it's just seaweed. Exactly. It's it's interesting because when they were showing pictures uh, when he was going through the book and they were showing pictures of the crack the kraken and everything like <laughs> that, I was expecting it to be a, a true kraken, like you know, like even a squ- giant squid, and this was just part of its multiple tentacles or something, you know, that you were seeing, and that you know it broke, it, like pieces broke off of it, and that's what was stinging the humans and everything, and then spreading to them, but. No, nope. we didn't get that. It was just seaweed. No. It's just, just seaweed. Just weed and foam. Exactly. <laughs> I've been to raves like that. You know, it's okay. <laughs> Hence with the, you know. Yeah, the only time that they really um, make it sort of cracking like is at the end uh, with the helicopter and these huge pieces, uh, these huge tendrils come out of the sea um and i was kind of surprised to find out that the, that was all um done by the animators uh the way it was written was it was originally just a dopey scene where the doctor was trying to get control of the helicopter and it was sort of comedic and so uh the the animators the, the main director of the animator uh decided to take it upon itself to make it a little bit more suspenseful and a little bit more dangerous uh, and less comedic and he had all these things come out of the ocean at them or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's a big Liberty. I I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I understand that, you know, they, they, they have to take certain liberties to adapt this, but that seems to be a little bit, that seems to be a little bit more than I'm comfortable with. Yeah. I can understand that. If that was just done for the animation, I think it worked fine for it. But, you know, if it was just, it would have been really stupid to seeing the doctor fighting with the controls for 10 minutes or yeah. like, well, especially, yeah, <laughs> no, I, mean, I, oh, especially I know, I know in an animation, it would be hard to pull that off. Yeah. But also, you know what the helicopter doing the loop to loop and the doctor and the doctor even going, I didn't know helicopters could do that. <laughs> it's like, I don't think they can. Right. No, I mean, I haven't seen uh, the original, obviously, so I can't really compare, but I have a feeling it may have been a, a good choice to at least be, maybe not beef it up to the extent they did, but to change it at least somewhat. Because I'm not sure that just him fighting the controls would have, I mean, it was already dragging <laughs> by then. <laughs> I'm not sure watching that for 10 minutes would have helped the story. Well, the, it, it makes it, to me, it makes it the threat seem much, much larger than it is. So that when they do defeat it at the end, it seems a bit like of a letdown. Too easy. I'm like, you think it's too easy? Yeah, because they, you know, after they kill it all, you know, all the stuff in the, the base, I'm kind of like, okay, now you got to take out the, se- oh, you already did that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it, is is kinda, kinda, it is kind of convenient, yeah. Well, it looked like they were just using, what, speaker cones or something to <laughs> destroy the, the seaweed. And it was just like, really? You know? I don't know. That screaming almost destroyed me, so I can kind of <laughs> understand it. Yeah, well. What did you guys think of the supporting characters in this, the people on the station? 
I think the supporting characters are pretty good in this, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, pretty well rounded. Robeson is so easy to hate, uh, and that's I think the best animated character in this whole thing um because his the way his face looks uh when you compare him to the actual actor i mean they did such a great job bringing him to life and because right within five minutes you hate this guy i mean he's like the worst boss ever yeah Uh, yeah Yeah, he is definitely (laughs) i I, I might have something to say about that one there (laughs) (laughs) um he i mean it's just horrible and then uh and then it's kind of I don't know you, you he's he's kind of controlled by them but it's sort of implied that he's been controlled with them since he was on the rig uh, back in his days when he was on the rig but I don't know if that's like I don't know it's not really I don't know if they really make that well. clear yeah. they didn't they didn't make it clear yeah. but they kind of hinted at it a couple of times right but at, I mean but at the end they they imply that he's he's basically an ass <laughs> even without Oh yeah the, yeah. yeah it's like you're back to normal <laughs> You're still a jerk. Yeah. Exactly. But I kind of like the double act of the, you know, the two, I don't know who they are, techies. <laughs> the, um, oh, the tall, skinny one and the short Yeah. The Laurel, shorter, and, Laurel and Hardy who are going shorter, around. The shorter one looked like Grandpa things. Monster, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They At were, least in the uh, animation version. They were, uh, they were based on, uh, Mr. Oak and Mr. Quill were actually based on Laurel and Hardy. Uh, by the writer and uh, um, I kept thinking of this is later uh, this is done later but there's a James Bond movie Diamonds Are Forever Diamonds Are Forever I saw that all Mr. Winton Mr. Kid right like it just seems like um, you know they're creepy too and and if you see the actual images of uh, those guys uh, in some of the scenes that they did especially when they're like opening their mouth and the gas is coming out or whatever um, they're really that stuff is really creepy and oh really yeah, it. no. It was. It, I like those characters. You know, the husband and wife team. Eh, you know, he was a little whiny. And yeah. I did like uh, Van Luten though. He was pretty awesome. The Dutch guy. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know what? I. I, I kept call, looking at I call him, him like Dutch, but I, you know his accent wasn't quite there. Well, his accent wasn't quite there, and and look, I mean, look, I. I like the animation as a whole. I think it's a great job, but uh, I think in this one, uh, they kind of, there was a few things that bugged me. One of the things was making uh, that guy look like Frankenstein monster. Like he, all, I, he, I was all he needed was like bolts thing. in his neck. <laughs> he, well, he really the, did. He, he had the shoulders and he had the jacket. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, like, and he had know, such a like a square head. I know the actor who really had like this huge receding, you know, hairline and big forehead, but I'm like, surely you could have dressed him so that he didn't look like, you know, um Boris Karloff. Like you could <laughs> like 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 um and I don't know, was it just me or did everybody's arms seem really long? They were really long. <laughs> yes. That was my one. Like the backgrounds in this were beautiful. Yes. They did beautiful renderings of the backgrounds. Yeah. And the faces were pretty good. Faces but were the amazing. Bodies were terrible. Yes. Yes. The arms were too long. The walking wasn't any anything like walking. They just sort of glided. <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely agree. I, I and I do like look. I give him a lot of credit, and a certain amount of you know artistic license is is there. And I do like the fact that you know if they're going to take liberties and update it, I'm glad they 
they choose to make the, at least the background characters a little bit more diverse. So it's not just a bunch of white guys. Oh, there was uh, one guy who was Indian. He even had a turban. Well, yeah. I mean. Show that he was Indian, not African-American. African considering that most of the people that were animating this were in India. Uh, so I'm glad that they were represented. Um, you know, I mean, they kind of felt like, oh, let's put ourselves in here, um, which is good. They had women in there. Actually, the guy in the controller, they made him it seemed like um, a handicapped, disabled. Um, so I was like, wow, they're really doing a pretty good job, like diversifying the, the background. They can't do much. I know with the main players, because you're not just going to like, you know, you, I don't think you can just take a character just completely and just, change them. Yeah. <laughs> change the color or race or whatever. So, um, but I'm glad that they're kind of selecting and, 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 and putting them in the background and kind of just making it so that it's all just not one big, you know, white man show. Well, Exactly. So did you catch the uh, master cameos? Oh, of this? course. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a running gag where, I mean, they made it pretty obvious yeah. uh, that Roger Delgado's, like, picture is, like, in the background of almost every other shot. <laughs> um, and I'm like, really? Like, they would have a wanted poster here? Like, <laughs> just, I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I couldn't tell when this was supposed to take place. I think it was supposed to take place in their, quote, unquote, current timeline. But it seemed like they had technology that was a little bit ahead of that. No. Yeah, it seemed a little for. It seemed a little later to me than the than the sixties. What what they would think of as later. Um, but yeah, it was hard to tell because it wasn't really defined. Right. Well, and that, I don't usually have a problem with that, um, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I was especially since it's on Earth. I was kind of like, when is this? When is this happening? Is this in the past? Is it in a you know? Well, I, it's, it made it sound, seem like it was the future with all the like the power station and all the like. I guess it was you know the, all the natural gas being pumped out of the North Sea, and it was so it was more because they don't. I doubt they have something like that you know, back then. So that seemed to me kind of slightly, you know, like maybe 20, 30 years in the future. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Well, when they interviewed uh, Victor Pemberton on the, on the Blu-ray um, or on the DVD rather, um, he said that he um, um, was inspired by the fact that uh, they were starting to use these pipes to transfer gas to people's homes from the, from in the ocean or whatever. And that that's where he got the idea and that he was uh, always attracted by science fiction that took place in present time. Hmm. So I think oh. in his mind, it was in the present. Uh, so <laughs> I think he embellished it a bit for the present. Yeah, I, I, I got the feeling that it was, yeah, at least a few years in the future from at least, you know, 1968's future. Uh, yeah. So it probably happened in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't feel like far future. No, from the late sixties, but but maybe a little later. Well, then. exactly, and that's like they always used to say that the Pertwee episodes um, were supposed with Unit was supposed to take place in the nineteen eighties, hmm. and so it was like ten years in their future. Wow, it's weird to think about. Hmm. But all the technology still was nineteen seventies. But you know, not right. saying anything. When uh, Victoria decides to stay, um, I think it's one. Of, I think it's my favorite scene in the movie or in the, the story. It, it, it's my favorite, maybe Victoria scene ever, 
um, because I was kind of like, man, she just doesn't know anybody here. She doesn't want to go back to her own time. And the doctor asks her, or I think it's a Jamie. Somebody asks her about like, don't you want to go back to your own time? And she's like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, Jane, Jamie asked yeah, her. It, yeah, because it's like I, I'm, I've changed too much. I've seen too much. Um, and that that was really like I didn't see that coming. I thought that was a really good explanation for why she would want to just kind of uh, hang around at another time and with some you know decent people, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It still seemed kind of random to me. It was, it was, it was, but it was a lot less random than you know Leela going, "Here's my new boyfriend. I'm staying." <laughs> I was about That's to say true. that exactly. <laughs> Doctor, I've fallen in love with this rogue. You know, I'm going to stay with them. It's like, oh, really? Yeah, it's not as strong as like when, who is that, when Tegan leaves, right? Oh, at when the end of the like, Dalek story, yeah. Yeah, when she's just like, I am tired of this. Um, but then again, you know, I'm not watching these in order. So are the seeds there when, in, like in Web of Fear? I don't know. I'll have to rewatch these. I mean, I'm hoping at some point, when uh you know when, when all is said and done i can watch the second doctor stories i'll be able to watch them from start to finish um thanks to animation and and, and watch a complete run in order that would be fantastically fun yeah that, that, that's pretty awesome yeah it's 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 will be eventually nice because i can't like the one i'm still always and i say this every time we watch an animated version is i am dying to see the highlander Yes, yes. I'm surprised that's not high in their list. They might not have all the audio for it. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's probably some reason. There's there has to be a reason because that's one of the most in demand ones. That and Marco Polo. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Every time I hear Marco Polo, yeah, it's always Marco Polo. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, those are the two. Man, if they ever did find Marco Polo, they'd be like, uh, "That's the expectations on that one is going to be pretty big." Oh God, yeah, and God, I could almost imagine if they ever colorized that too, because I've seen like the still pictures of the costumes; they were just beautiful. And I've heard like it didn't translate as well into the black and white, which is all the technology they had at the time. But the still photos—if you ever get a chance to see these costumes—are just stunning for that that episode. That's cool. I I choose to watch these, uh, even though the option is there in color. I choose to watch these in black and white just because I I like to maintain that same feel. Um, Now, Mike, I know you watched it on (laughs) DVD as well. Um, Mary, did you watch it on on DVD? I watched it on BBC America. Was that and that was the color version? That was the color version. Now, this is a this is a three hour story. Did they air this over over two nights <laughs> with all their ads? They kind of aired it over a week. Oh wow! Like, oh, a, couple, okay. a couple of episodes a night. That gotcha. makes more sense. And then I did. I waited till the end so I could sure. have them all together. Smart. How was Very it good. in color? It was good in color. I mean, it didn't. I sometimes watching it in color bothers me, um, but this time it really didn't. It it still worked. Mm-hmm. It um, and also waiting till the end, you got to buzz right through all the five million commercials. Sure. Right, of course. I am so glad I didn't have to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I I loved seeing it in the black and white. It was awesome to watch, and it like 
like I said earlier, it could have easily been four episodes. Yeah. Not a problem. Yeah, the but, color was very muted, I will say also. They didn't like overdo it, oversaturate um, it. You mean so the seaweed wasn't lime green or anything? Like <laughs> was, it, was it glowing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and like a beam of light was coming out of the sonic screwdriver when the doctor was <laughs> yeah, using. That, that there, did not happen. There is some behind the scenes footage and um, uh, pictures from this that I looked at because I'm always curious as to how it compares. So I always look for photos and the dvd is really good about putting what existing footage there is on on the dvd as well and also photo reconstruction they do the photo reconstruction too that's on the third disc so i mean these things are really packed pretty well with a lot of great features uh they do a great job with that i just wish they would all just put it in one disc and and on a blu-ray but um but um I will say that, uh, you know, looking at the pictures in color and seeing like, you know, Jamie's uh, red kilt and, and all of that, I was like, oh, but it looks like, <laughs> I don't know if it was just because it was shot in black and white, they didn't feel the need to like do anything more with her. But Victoria is just wearing this like black, pretty much or dark it looks dress. like Wednesday Adams. <laughs> I was thinking that I was... <laughs> Yeah, considering, especially since she's moping throughout most of this. Right. <laughs> it was just like the whole episode, Victoria was just like, why can't we just go someplace and relax? Why do we always have these? It's like. Yeah, she was very whiny in this yeah. one. And it's just like, ah. Oh. And she's not usually that big of a whiny character. And the, I had forgotten this was her last story until like episode three or four and then you know just hearing her bitch and moan it's like oh yeah they're setting her up to leave That's well yeah. you know in the first yeah. five minutes when the doctor and jamie like take her and dunk her in the foam she that she has got right to be pissed throughout the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh he's pissed at them yeah <laughs> like i don't want to hang around you two anymore i got foam in places i shouldn't have foam <laughs> thanks to you well you know there are parties for that so <laughs> Uh, but that goes back to the rave thing. So it's cool. All right. Any final thoughts on this before we go ahead and rate this one? I think so. I... No? No. I don't think. Um, I think we got all my notes. Okay. I'm just glad they're making Trouton episodes. Me yes. too. Me too. I don't know these we got. Uh, one little tie-in um, from a couple of cast notes. Um the uh margaret john who was the uh wife in this one she was the grandmother in idiot's lantern in the oh, new series that's yeah. cool i didn't realize that which is pretty awesome she actually uh, um uh married uh the guy who played um perkins in this they got married they met the, they met on the set of this oh that's awesome so that is very very cool see it's pretty darn, it's neat to see when things tie together like that and everything. So, you know, I definitely think now, Funko, you need to make a floating TARDIS. That's <laughs> you really do. Yeah. The I TARDIS don't. can land on water. Yeah. yeah so that, that's something yeah. I never really thought about, but I'm like, okay, all right. And then, you know, then it's a pain in the ass because you have to get the dinghy out. And you have to get <laughs> yeah. On the dinghy, like. yeah, I'm not sure what the point was of landing yeah. on water. Yeah. There was no reason for it landing on the water. <laughs> just because I was just like, really? 
Yeah, in the in the script, it was written to land on the top of the cliffs, and then the director got in his idea, like, I want to see it land on the water. That would be really cool. So they had to build a three-foot model and then fly it out with a helicopter and then kind of land it with the helicopter. It was just, it was really expensive, but that was all the director's idea. Well, there you go. You got it. And it's oh. fine. It's kind of neat to know. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it can walk on water. It exactly. can land on water. All right, Mary. One out of five TARDIS is one being the worst, five being the best. I have to think about it. I I really enjoy this one for the most part, especially in the beginning. But the last half drags quite a bit. <laughs> um, they really needed to take out those last two episodes. Um which happens a lot <laughs> in earlier Doctor Who. That's nothing new. And also, um, Victoria is awfully screamy and whiny. But Troughton is amazing. Jamie's amazing. Um, the secondary characters are pretty good. And you know, I would definitely recommend people to watch this one. So um, I think I'm going to give it a four. Okay, I enjoyed wow. it. Cool. Mr. Mike. I'm going to give it a, a three. Um, I think it's okay. Um, I, I thought, it, you know, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad we can watch it. Uh, to Mary's point, I think it is, it does drag. Um, and, uh, you know, it's fine. I don't think that this is a creature that really is, is that remarkable uh, visually um, or anything like that. It just kind of is there. It's not like I want to see the return of the seaweed guys or whatever again. Um, no. uh, and, yeah, I, you know, even though I like see, I always like seeing, you know, the Doctor and Jamie together. Um, I don't think they really have any great moments in this. Um, I was trying to think of a, of, of a, usually when I watch these, like the Doctor always has a line or two that I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. But not in this one. In fact, at one point, um, he like really overdoes it and he oversells it. And he says, uh, like, you know, when he's looking at the, I think it's one on one of the cliffhangers or whatever. He's like, you know, it's begun the battle of the giants. And I'm like, is this an HBO ad for Kong <laughs> versus Godzilla? Like, what is he talking about? The battle of what giants? Like, I, I yeah, I don't, <laughs> I didn't quite know where that was going. So yeah, it's not a bad story, but I don't think it's a, a great story. And, and, you know, it's all right. I'll just give it a three middle of the road. No, it's pretty you know, standard. I agree with a lot of that. Um, I'm going to go mid between the two of you guys. I'm going to do three and a half. It probably would have gotten a four very easily if it was four episodes. Mm-hmm. But just the two extra episodes pulled it down. How many times did they have to keep on going back and forth to that damn house? Oh, yeah. There was a lot of running back and forth. It, got a little it, it was just like, really? Really, I did think it was cool, like when the doctor and Jamie got stuck in the in the gas lines, and mm-hmm. you know the evil minions or whatever you want to call those two, you know, locked them out, and it it was good. And pro- you find out how bad of shape the doctor's in when he's huffing and puffing <laughs> after climbing up the ladders. But it it was awesome. I I don't think any of the three of us would have been any better from that, but. I do think it was enjoyable to see this for the first time. I think it was a lot of fun to, you know, see, you know, the Dr. Jamie and Victoria. But I will tell you this, the chemistry between 
Frazier and Patrick is just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah, it's even some of the just strongest. With the audio, yeah. it comes through. It's mm-hmm. the, some of the strongest in Doctor Who history and between companions. Sorry, Rose lovers, but you know, I <laughs> I do think you know. I think the Doctor and Jamie just had some of the best chemistry, and I'm not going in on any fanfic or anything. Don't go down the, down those paths. But I just think it was just always it was great, and it it shined in this episode. It really did. You don't think it would have been better if the animators had inserted Rose in there somewhere? I would have thrown something at my TV. <laughs> I totally. Oh, why is it always? Why, why is it always, uh, you know, the master that's always on the posters? Why don't they put, like, Rose or somebody Rose. else? <laughs> don't give them ideas, Mike Gordon. Or isn't, yeah. isn't Clara supposed to be everywhere? Yeah, <laughs> yeah where was Clara? Yeah, that's true. I felt okay. cheated. <laughs> exactly. You needed a picture of Clara on the other side of the, the glass. No, no, banging <laughs> something. And the seaweed drags her away or something. <laughs> She that, drowns that, in the foam. That would have been awesome. That would have been fun. But, you know, definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstationwho.com. Thank you guys for everyone who's been listening. Our numbers have been going up, but we need more. I'm not being greedy, but tell your friends, tell your neighbors. We definitely would love to get more people listening to us. We are available anywhere you can find good podcasts. Earth Station Who is there. That's right. You can, you know, find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google, and even iHeartRadio. It's pretty cool. And now, of course, got to say it, Amazon. So that way you can go, hey, Alexa, play the Earth Station Who podcast. So you could do that now. It's pretty awesome. And thank you. So it's pretty cool. Um, We will be back again in two weeks. And we're doing a Facebook Live, folks. That's right. It's been a while since we've done one of those. And we are doing the 50th anniversary of the Master. It's been, you know, a long time since we've talked just about the Doctor's, you know, most popular foe. So, you know, a lot of people would say, no, that's the Daleks. This is the Doctor's Moriarty to, you know, basically him being Sherlock Holmes. Hey, he's featured in all the animated ones. That's true. (laughs) That's true. It's pretty darn awesome. So please join us for that. And you'll be be able to do, we will be doing it. Actually, the Facebook date live. Actually, give you guys the date right now. Because, you know, why should we make you guys suffer and try to guess when it is? It is going to be the uh, 25th of May which is a Tuesday and we are doing it at 8 PM Eastern. So you'll be able to see us up on Facebook live on the earth station who Facebook group and see if we could put it a couple other places, share the link or something like that. So that way you'll be able to see it also on the ESO Facebook group and you know, some other folks places too. We'll put it everywhere. What are they going to do? Kick us off Facebook. I better not say that. No. <laughs> better not say that, you know, with our luck. So, I want to thank our crew for tonight, as always. Ms. Mary Ogle, thank you, as always. Oh, thank you. It was wonderful to be here. And what's going on with the book? The book is, uh, <laughs> it's being worked on. Okay. I swear. Um, 
yeah, I need to stop reworking it and maybe actually put it out at some point. <laughs> so it starts with, it was a dark and stormy night and it goes exactly. just from there. And it goes on from there. It's all downhill from there. That is awesome. Do you want to promote your artwork? You can find my artwork uh, at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Yay. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, thank you as always, my friend. And as always, it's my pleasure. We got a new DragonCon report coming out. We do. Yep. Uh, We'll be uh, recording that next week. And uh, yeah, so um, look for that. Then latest news on what's going on with DragonCon this year. Well, it'd be great to find out what's going on with Dragon Con. Yeah, we'd all love to know. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 I think Dragon Con is only a need-to-know basis right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge type stuff. So keep, you know, listening to the Dragon Con report. It's a great member of the ESO network. We definitely would love you guys to, you know, check it out if you haven't before. Or we, you know, have great discussions. And we've been doing different themes each month this month because we're trying to talk about something. We don't know what's happening. So definitely, you know, check it out. But like we said, we'll be back in two weeks with the 50th anniversary of the Master. So until then, my name is Mike Faber. On behalf of myself, Mary Ogle, and Mr. Howdy Mike Gordon, thank you for listening. And we will see you next time here on Earth Station Who. And go get vaccinated, folks, please. And we're done. Boom. Hey Alexa, where's my f***ing DVD? <laughs> you have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.